Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Robert Moore Podcast. I am your host, Robert Moore, and you can find me on all social media platforms, morewriting.com. I still got to get onto that new one, but I, I will. I'll, I'll get around to it. Uh, you can also email me, robert at morewriting.com. You can also find me on iTunes, Google, everything. Just look for more writing with, with the 2 So hopefully everybody's good. Hopefully everybody had a great weekend. I'm outside enjoying the weather. So if I start screaming and hollering, it's because of bees or a, a gang of bees is trying to jump me. And I'm not having that. I, I got a beef with um, the animals in nature and they just, they just won't leave me alone. But we'll we'll piece it up eventually. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hopefully everybody is is doing okay and no beef with Mother Nature. Uh, one of the things, and I'm a little bit late on this. See, here comes a bee already, man. I'm just trying to chill. and Flies and bees, just leave me alone, okay? But one of the things I'm late on is uh, the show Quarterbacks on Netflix. It is a season-long wrap-up or look back at three quarterbacks throughout last year's NFL season. They followed them around. They showed their private life. They showed the behind-the-scenes stuff. They showed some on-the-field stuff, and it was a good series. The three quarterbacks that they showed was Marcus Mariota, Kirk Cousins, and Patrick Mahomes. And what they did is they cameras, mic'd them, family, friends, everybody from the preseason all the way through the regular season and for Patrick Mahomes eventually winning the Super Bowl. Um, for Marcus Mariota, it showed him signing with uh, the Atlanta Falcons and why he went there and he felt so good and things were all good. He was a starting quarterback and they had a nice little stretch, but then they started losing and there's a young man waiting in the background and it kind of lets you know that sports is a business as well as a family thing because Marcus Mariota you know, he he went there. He's looking for a fresh new start. They're talking about how much they love him, and everything was all good until there was like a stretch of four or five games where they lost most of those games. His they come to the bye week, and that's where you get a week off, and that's usually when they make a change to the younger guy. If there's a younger guy waiting in the wings, that's because that younger guy has an extra week to prepare to take over for the team. So the bye week comes, the Atlanta Falcons season is circling the drain, and they're thinking they're going to make a change. Marcus Mariota, his wife, is pregnant and having a kid. He goes, because it's a bye week, he goes with his wife to have the kid. By the way, this reminds me of another story that I'm going to tell that I saw on, on social media. It's a random story. But back to Mariota. So he goes to be with his wife. I guess he temporarily comes back. They tell him, hey, we're going to make a change at quarterback. He's like, okay, cool. He leaves to go back with his wife in, in the newborn. Thinking that's that's the natural thing to do. You're not playing. Um, you're going to just be sitting on the bench anyway. It is good to be ready. It's good to help mentor the kid. But you just had a newborn baby. So you want to go be with your kid. So he goes to be with his kid. Young guy takes over. And the media is like, why do you leave the team? What, what kind of attitude is this show? Is this pouting? Whoa, this is terrible. Shame on Marcus Mariota. He's with his newborn kid. 
they didn't think about that. No one brought that up in the news clippings they showed. And it just shows the business of, of sports. But that's how his season ended. It didn't go too well. Um, Kirk Cousins, who is a guy, he's an all-pro quarterback. He's had a great career, but he's always been looked down upon. He's always looked at grade level two. And it showed his personality. And um, he's a dad, um, straight-laced guy. Wife is the same way. <laughs> But it showed the good parts of him. He's a good dude, and his teammates like him, and he plays really well. And I, I enjoyed learning more about Kirk Cousins because we just know the business part of it, and teams want to move on and stuff. Then they showed Mar- uh, Patrick Mahomes and his life and his team in the um, Kansas City Chiefs. They won the Super Bowl. They had all the swag. They had the coaching. They have the players. Uh, he was building a brand new house. His wife, I think, was also pregnant during this. Um, but it showed the life of a guy on top. So it went from Mariota, who is just trying to hang on into the league, to Patrick Mahomes, who has everything, the house, everything, even though they they have problems too. Um, sometimes the wife causes problems. Sometimes the brother causes problems. They didn't put that any of that in the documentary. Um, but it was a lot of stuff going on. It also showed the preparation, how much they need, uh, what they do with their bodies. And it's a funny thing that I noticed is that Mariota, who is the quarterback that struggled the most, he's eating McDonald's and he had to have his boy be his personal chef or he would just fall off. But um, he didn't have the same preparation that the other two had. Um, Kirk Cousins had great preparation, but he gave himself a day off during the week. He said, I got, I need the day off at this stage of my career and my family and stuff. Patrick Mahomes just goes hard <laughs> for, for just the majority of the days. And I'm, I'm guessing that's what, what made the difference is he puts in the most work. He has the most success. The quarterback that put in the least worse had the put, put in the least work had the least success. So that was all interesting to me. But the most interesting to me out of this whole series is when they got banged up, they got hurt, things happened. And in the movies, when the quarterback or somebody gets hurt, they're just like, I got hurt. These guys, when they got hurt, it was (laughs) Kirk Cousins. When he got hurt, he was it was like the weirdest sound and Patrick Mahomes did it too when he hurt his ankle and by the way they used like eastern medicine to get him back out people were wondering like how can he play with the high ankle sprain he did gua sha and he did cupping and stuff and he was good to go but even he was like it was weird you think the tough guys toughest guys in the field make like not but I enjoyed it. I highly recommend uh, quarterbacks on Netflix. And by the way, I don't know if I should be—I don't know if I should be recommending shows right now because the writers are on strike and uh, the actors are on strike. And I'm not—I don't belong to any of those guilds or anything. But they tell people don't promote shows. Um, but later on, if I pop, if I write a book that pops and I write the screenplay or something like that. I don't want them looking back saying, yo, he he was promoting shows when he wasn't supposed to. So I might be cool on promoting some movies and shows. But that one, um, I'm going to go ahead. That, that'll be my last one, I promise. Actors and writers, I'm with you guys. I stand with you guys. 
speaking of speaking of writers and actors, on Game of Thrones, there was a little boy. He was a preteen, I guess. He played King Joffrey, and he was one of the most hated, despicable characters in all of TV. King Joffrey, and when his character—spoiler alert—when his character died, got poisoned, everybody celebrated. And the funny thing is, is in real life, people would see uh, the actor Jack Gleason, and they would see King Joffrey, and they would hurl insults at him and bully him. And he was just an actor; he just did a great job at his job. You'll also recognize him. He was in some other movies. Uh, I believe he was in one of the Batman movies. I believe he was in uh, some other stuff. You'll recognize him when you see him. But for a long time, he didn't get acting gigs because he was typecast as King Joffrey. Well, guess what? He has a new... It's been 10 years, and he has a leading acting role in a new project that's coming up. I believe it's a it's a TV show, and it's called Five Books. The Five Books. And I saw a picture of who he's playing, and uh, it looks like a villain. So King Joffrey is back King Joffreying. I don't know if this is great for his career because he's gonna—he's probably gonna do a great job at this and be like King Joffrey all over again, and he's gonna go through this whole cycle again. So see you in 20 years, King Joffrey, aka whoever you're playing in the five books. Uh, another interesting story is uh, the authorities, the police, FBI—they are using DNA to catch criminals. Who are doing some awful things, some horrible things, not not petty things, not uh, minor things, not traffic violations, but absolutely horrible things. Uh, there was a lawyer who seemed like he had this good, wholesome life. He had probably the money. He had the wife. Uh, he had the life. He had the life most people would want. And allegedly, he was... Um, um, assaulting women in the worst way i'll say it that way and um he uh, it looked like he covered his tracks and um he was very careful and meticulous with this which shows the horrid horribleness of this person but he was doing this covering his tracks to where they thought they couldn't find him but it turns out that um what they did, because obviously you do this kind of crime, there's DNA that's left over. There's skin on skin. Um, there might have been some cuts. There might have been some scratches. But the assaulter's DNA was on the victims. So they ran the DNA. And this guy, I guess he had a family member, maybe a brother or a cousin or somebody, that uh, somehow they got their DNA. It might have been through one of the main... Uh, companies that collect your DNA and then they tell you what you are and where you're from. But they ran the assaultant's DNA and found that it matched against uh, one of the DNA um, databases that they had. So they looked at the database and said, well, it has to be somebody who's related to this person in this kind of way. So they looked at the possible matches and who could have been in that area at that time and boom, they got them. So what they, I think what they did was they had narrowed it down to him, but they didn't have the proof. And he, I think he went to a bar for a drink and he had a drink and he left. And the authorities grabbed that glass, ran it against the assaultant's DNA and it was a perfect match and they got him. So I think that's still going on right now, but eh, they got you. 
and good and good 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 for them. Good riddance to that guy. There was another guy who I saw on TV, and this is a popular case that's on TV and everything. He also had the life, had the job, had the wife, had the kids. Seemed like uh, a very blessed guy. And uh, turns out he's a serial killer and he was killing young ladies. And again, he covered his tracks. Uh, things were um, were fine, but some DNA left DNA was left behind. They run it, run it against uh, a matching relative. They get a small list of people who it could be. Uh, then I think he ate a pizza. They threw away the pizza box and there was some crust in there. They take uh, the crust, they run it against the DNA against the assailant. Perfect match. They got him. So I don't know if you all feel about this, but I think one, I think it's a good thing. Um, I'm a civilian. I am not a member of the crime. Uh, <laughs> so I would say if they're getting serial killers and murderers and assaultants off the streets by using this, it's good. If people are doing crimes for, for money, you ain't got no way, find another way. It's not worth it. With all the cameras, with the DNA and the witnesses and stuff, it is much easier just to find a better way to do crimes. Um, every, almost every house has a ring camera on it. There's ring cameras in the cars. There's dash cams. People are wearing uh, cameras. The police are wearing cameras. Everything is being recorded. Um, it's hard not to leave your DNA anywhere. You touch something, your DNA's on it. You drink something, your DNA's on it. So just don't do crime. Keep using the DNA to catch people. And uh, hopefully we're going towards a, a safer uh, environment. So let's get to our, our main topic of the week. And that is the question that I had asked people was... Um, had you found money that wasn't yours? Uh, had you run across like a wallet or a credit card or something that wasn't yours? Um, or had you been offered something, some money morally wasn't right? Did somebody offer you the bag to do something that you knew that you shouldn't be doing? So um, first there's like the small findings. And I found small amounts of money. Um, I found five here, 10 here, 20 here. And I, if, if I found the person who I knew dropped it, I would give it back to them. If I found it, I couldn't find that person. I would turn it in. And the reason is, is because you can say God's will, you can say karma, but usually that money's come back to me in some certain way. So I turn it in, I give it to the right person and, um, somehow come up on that money in a different way. So it always came back to me. It's never been where I've given the money back and that's been it. Um, it's the same thing with if I see somebody down and out, if there's a friend or a relative that really needs something and I got it and it's not hurting me giving it to them and I give it to them, a lot of times I don't even ask for it back. It's not a, um, if, if they got it, if it's just a stopgap and they can give it back to me, that's great. But usually I'll say just hold on to it until I need something or maybe I'm down and I could use your help. But other than that, I usually get it back anyway. So if somebody says, hey, you got 20 bucks, I'll pay you back on Friday. I give them the 20 bucks if I got it. I don't worry about it. But somehow I'll win that 20 bucks back or I'll get a big discount somewhere else. It usually comes back without fail. 
So I don't really have to worry about that. Um, there was one time when I was a kid and I really needed 20 bucks. It was it was dire straits. I needed a 20. And I was with my uncle and we were driving in the projects and we pull up and I open my door and on the grass there was a crisp, clean $20, brand new $20 bill and there was nobody around. And that was the only time that I kept that money because we, it was really needed. We were $20 away from something. And for a crisp, clean 20 to be in the hood, when I opened the door and it's right there, it was a clear, undeniable sign. And I used it and it, it really did help. Um, one time for big finds, I did find a purse. And um, I opened the purse to see if I could find out who it was. There's really nothing in there. Um, but there was money within like it was like thousands of dollars and I counted the money and I posted somebody lost it. If you could give me the amount of money that was in there, I give you the purse. Somebody contacted me. They described the purse to a T. Uh, they gave me the dollar amount very, very close. So I gave it back to them, all of it. Um, that person didn't offer me any of it back because they really needed all of it. And at the time, I was down and I could have really, really, really used that money. But I knew it was somebody else's and they could have really used it. So I gave it back and just had faith that it would, that my issue would be resolved and everything would be fine. Well, I would say probably about a month later, I get a letter in the mail and I guess um, at the time, my mortgage was through Bank of America and uh, Obama had caught them or Obama's people who was in charge found out that they were trying to do some funny stuff. And they had um, they were ripping people off pretty much and taking money. And I was owed some money. And guess what the amount of money that was? It wasn't the same that it was in the purse, but it was what I needed down to the cents. So I was able to take that money and take care of what I needed to take care of. And that was um, God working that magic. I had did the right thing. I could have took the, the littler payout and still been in a bind and had bad karma or bad favor. Did the right thing. And then everything worked out okay for me. So I was happy for that. There was another time I found a wallet. There was no money in it, but it had cards and everything. I turned that in a couple weeks later. I had won some money in something else. So it's always come back to me. It's it never fails. It always came back. And for a lot of people who would also say, why would you turn it in? Why wouldn't you just keep it? People's uh, instinct are to do, do the bad thing is just to keep it. The self-indulging thing, the self-preservation. I would say against that. I think there's a lot of people that are good and just do good. Just It's just wired in them. I believe it's wired in me, but there's some practical reasons why you would want to give the money back, not take the money, um, especially if it's a big dollar amount. One is your morals. Like I said, some people are just wired to do the right thing. A lot of people were taught to do the right thing. It's just good to do the right thing. Um, but another reason, like I said before, everything is on camera. Everything is being recorded. So if somebody lost a large amount of money and then there's a video of you picking it up or you having it or um, maybe the bills are marked or something. Now it's a criminal act. You just found the money, but somebody might say you stole it. 
Um, it's also a crime if you know that there's lost money, that there's lost money that you found that you still keep and use. It's it's a crime. So you don't want to be on camera doing something that you're that it looks like you're not supposed to do because they will say you're guilty and then you'll be in prison with no money. Another thing is, is it could be a trick. It could be a trap. There's these trap cars that they use to catch car thieves and things. It could be a setup for somewhere and somebody else. And then you fall into somebody else's trap and then you're in trouble. But the biggest thing, the biggest reason why I wouldn't take the money, excuse me, is because that money could belong to somebody very dangerous that could come looking for you. So you find a bag of money with, say, like $10,000 in it, and you go, you're spending. Somebody sees you with the 10000 or they know you have it, and then word gets around town. You know, the criminal, the boss who may have had that money, and they're looking for you, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So always give the money back. Always return it. You don't want to get in it, into any beefs with any street people. You don't want to have any beefs with... Um, law enforcement, and you want that good karma. You want God to look out for you. So um, it's always a good reason to turn it back in. And I think there's also a rule where if you turn it into the police and after a certain time, if nobody claims it, then you can keep it. So uh, that's just my two cents on that. So let's see what some of the answers were from social media on this question. Holly says, I found wallets, purses, and money. The wallets and purses, I contacted the owners, money while I donated to the church. That's awesome. Uh, Erica says, I turned them to the police station or at security, depending on where I'm at. Diana says, yep, I found a wallet in a bank parking lot, turned it into the tellers. I got a call later the day that uh, they were very grateful. There was a very grateful owner had returned inquiring about it. Tears shed all around. I've lost money, too. And I was turned in. Folks need to do the right thing every time. See, that's what I'm talking about. The person who lost that money really needed that money. It could be somebody's rent money. It could be someone's life savings. It could be for funeral expenses. You don't know. But chances are, if it's a big amount, it's something that somebody is is missing and is agonizing over it. And then you could be in that situation too someday. One time I was in a Walmart and I dropped 200 bucks. And I turned right around and it was gone, like within five seconds. And uh, the store people, they weren't really interested in helping me because there's nothing they could do. But it was gone. Um, Debbie says, I always tried to find out who it belonged to if possible and returned it. uh, Julie says, when I was a kid, I found 20 bucks, but my mother took it from me. Uh, Hopefully your mother turned it in, Julie. So, yeah, as you can see, there are good people that are still out there in the world. And um, hopefully they are good examples and that will pass on um, to, to everybody else. So thanks, everybody. I appreciate you all for joining me on this on this episode. We will see you next week. I'll put the question for next week on social media. Again, you can email the show. You can email me, robert at morewriting.com. Visit my website. My books are on there. My YouTube channel is on there. The YouTube channel is a techie channel. Right now we're doing gaming, but we'll be expanding to other things. A YouTube channel that is based on this podcast will be coming soon. So check it all at morewriting.com. 
Thanks, everybody, and we will see you next week.